Yeah, you don't want to cut off the person that decides if you get to preach or not. <laughs> On Sunday mornings, that's usually not a good thing. Um, that being said, I want to thank Dave and Kip for uh, allowing me to do this. This is uh, very fun for me, and I, I love any opportunity to be able to uh, help show people what God has to say about things. And today we're going to talk about work. Um, and I'm trying to get better at this. I'm trying to become a better teacher as I'm getting older. And one of the things that Dave Musgrave does really well in class is he always defines everything before we talk about it. And that, that's good for me. <laughs> Did he do that as a, for you in all walks of life? John, your son smiled when I said that. <laughs> uh, so there's got to be a backstory to that in some way. Uh, so that's one of the things that when I was thinking about this uh, sermon and the material was uh, what Dave does. And so well, we're all getting better. So the Hebrew de- definition for work is to serve. All right. The Greek definition is to be active, labor, and accomplish something. I just looked that up on the Step Bible, just got online and looked those up, those words. Um, and I started thinking, that's not how we define work. In the world, we don't define it like that. We, defer, we define it as, what do you do for a living? That's what I think of when people say work. I never really thought about this to serve, be active, labor, accomplish something. When I say I'm going to go to work, that means I'm going to go make some money. That's the way I think of it normally. But I thought that was pretty interesting. And I wanted to put those up there first because we're about ready to read through a bunch of verses. So um, the best noise in any church at any time is a bunch, bunch of papers uh, whistling past. So you're going to need your Bibles today. If not, you might be really bored. Um, so you're going to need your Bibles. And I want you to keep in mind the Old Testament verses where the Hebrew definition is to serve and the Greek definition is to be active, labor, and accomplish something. So think about that as we're uh, reading through a whole lot of verses today. Um, and I just wanted to put this up there that laziness is just resting before you're tired because there is no balance to this sermon at all today. All right. We are not going to talk about resting at all. And there is a time and place for that. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, what people call the daily grind. All right. And about how you should handle yourself during that and how to be productive, not only in your secular life, but be productive for God. So I just want to make sure you knew that there was no balance to this at all. So I don't want you to get some one-sided view of this and think that there's no resting involved in this. Um, So here we go. Some of the many verses on work, and there are a whole lot of them, all right? And I had to be kind of selective to get, just kind of get the big picture, general overview of what was going on Um, in God's word. Um, So Genesis 2.15, it said, I'll wait till the paper stop rustling. See, that's a good indication for me. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Uh, There are many things that were instituted at creation, many concepts. We're not going to go into those today, but work was one of them. From, I, I was kind of thinking to myself and laughing to myself, I said, well, from day one, people were starting to work. And I thought, no, that's a stupid way to state it. From day six, people were immediately starting to uh, work. And then go to Genesis 4.2. said, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. 
It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. All right, so I mean, think about that. To serve, this ties into that, um, that concept of serving. Now, Proverbs, um, I love, all right, I, I love the book of Proverbs. Um, I actually put one of these on my board every single day at school. Um, so I'll get fired. Um, but the, the um, work verses in Proverbs are about as blunt and to the point as you could possibly uh, get them. So 12.11 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. All right, now let's go to 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. And then just go ahead and flip over to 13. 13, 13.4 says, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And let's go to 14. 14.23, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Are you guys picturing some people that you know right now? I mean, I, I, I see this with my students. I, I see them saying, like, yeah, I want to be a doctor one of these days. I'm like, you can't pass any classes, right? I mean, so this whole fantasy concept, that, and they're not being diligent on a daily basis. All right, let's go to Ecclesiastes 2, which sometimes gets left out in the wisdom books. But this is uh, Solomon speaking also here. So if you go to Ecclesiastes 2, 18 through 26, it said, I, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving which, uh, with which he labors under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This, too, is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering up and storing wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And then he goes a little bit further in 5, 18 to 19. It says, then I realize that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy, enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. And for anybody that's ever read Ecclesiastes, he goes through all of the different things that we worry about in life and at the end says, it's all meaningless. 
The only thing that's important is just spending your whole life uh, following God's commandments. All right, let's go to Luke. So now we're going to the New Testament. So think about that uh, Greek definition from before. So Luke 12, 13 through 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Anybody experience that yet? Those are nasty, nasty times in life. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed uh, me a judge or an arbitrator be- uh, between you? This he said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parallel or parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to the disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body and what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, and is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for uh, yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Let's go to Acts 5. I never really like talking about subjects until you hear all the verses first. Because then it's really hard to go down a crazy path if you've got all the verses to balance everything out first. So let's go to 40 to 42. It says, his, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that is Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8.
But, then, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want uh, to, to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but to also have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to, which, to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who has gathered much did not have too much, and he who had gathered little did not have too little. Let's go over to Philippians 2, 14 to 16. This might be the hardest set of verses to uh, abide by in the whole Bible for all of us. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Just think about your workplace every day. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in the crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. All right, Colossians 3. I hope you're starting to kind of see a picture of what in the world's going on, what God expects for us, what Christians should act like, what were the expectations of the Jews from day one. Colossians 3, 22-24. Now these next verses are not politically correct in any way, shape, or form. These will make a lot of people very uncomfortable, but think about the point of them. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Go to Second Thessalonians three six through thirteen. Thessalonians is a terrible word for a guy who had to have, go to speech therapy for all his S's and TH's growing up. These always get me. All right, so Second Thessalonians three six through thirteen. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day. Now I'm going to stop right there real quick. Paul was a tent maker. He never stopped tent making while he was running around all of the known world or trying to get around the known world to spread the gospel. Laboring and toiling so that he would not be a burden, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because 
uh, we do not have the right for such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire, tire of doing what is right. All right, two more. 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 18. This is where Paul just starts uh, basically putting everybody in categories and then telling them what to do. All right, so all of us fall into one of these categories. It says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing uh, hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for the younger widows, we do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer uh, has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. One more, Titus 2, 3 through 10. There are some sermons that need some help from explanations and to tie things together. This is not one of them. This is pretty straightforward, and everything is here. All right, 3 through 10. Likewise, teach the older women to uh, be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. They can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, and to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled, and everything set them as an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. 
Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and to not steal for them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. That's a lot of verses. It's even more when you have to read them all. So what's the goal of work? All right, What's the goal of work? To serve God, help and serve others, spread the gospel, financially take care of yourself and others. It is not to accumulate wealth. And in America, that's very confusing. It is not to accumulate wealth. To stay busy so, do you not, so you, you do not get involved with distractions and other nonsense. I put that in parentheses because that's going to be different for all of us. And to produce quality work like we're working for God. Now, important work that usually does not make money. And I'm going to call this work, even though people usually don't get paid for it. Because this stuff is vitally important to society and to us taking care of our congregation. Parenting, grandparenting. Stay-at-home mothers. Taking care of family members. Jody Dale, this is work, isn't it? I mean, you guys are in the middle of this. Homeschooling, spreading the gospel, having Bible studies, volunteering, fellowshipping with Christians, elders and deacons. These things are vitally important to any society being successful and to especially our church family being successful. And none of those things get paid. That's why, I wanted, that's why I wanted to put those definitions up there from the beginning. It's not just about making money. You can never make a penny and be busy all day long and work and work and do important things for others. Now, retirement verses. Here we go. You ready? About ready to click it. Some of you guys know what's about ready to happen. Um, there's none. There are none. There are no verses in the Bible. Now, let's be fair. In, in today's day and age, it's a lot different because we live so long, right? Back then, you made it 40, 50 years old. You know, you were pretty old, all right, in Jesus' time. There are no retirement verses. Now, why do I put that up there? Okay, so I'm a teacher. I pay into that pension plan every single month. And we pay a good chunk into it every single month. And one of these days, I'm going to start drawing that pension. I have 16 more years. All right? Now, you might be going, well, Adam, there's no retirement verses. Like, what are you doing? Well, just because I might then have a job that I don't get paid for, or just because I change occupations, doesn't mean that I can't retire from teaching. All right? There are plenty of people that are retired in here, and that's why I wanted to read all those verses. Our goal is to continually work. And the other reason why I put all those up there is because at some point you're going to be doing a lot of work that doesn't make any money. And that's okay. All right. But the goal of all of this in retirement is we should still be busy. Right. There should be some busyness. And I know that's really easy to say for a a 41 year old that isn't retired yet. I know that's it. And I also understand that it at certain ages, I want to temper this, at certain ages, your activity level is going to be different and what you can do is going to be different. I understand that completely. But all of us, all of us can be busy, work for the Lord, and take care of other people around us. It just takes different forms at different times. All right, a couple questions to ask yourself uh, today and we'll be done. It's like the shortest sermon you'll ever get. 
for me especially. I want you to ask yourself these questions, because this will really kind of balance it out in your brain. No matter if you're retired, or if you're not retired, or if you work a job that doesn't make any money, or if you work a job that makes money, you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever. Here it is. Do I stay busy? Are you busy throughout the day? Am I a busy body? All right? Um, When I'm bored... There's a variety of things that go into my head, right? And there's a variety of things that you can get involved with when you're bored. Am I resting before I am tired? How can I work for the Lord? And that's a pretty generic question, but that's a question that has a variety of answers because we all have different talents. What work do I need to start for the Lord? Like, what can you do today? And then also you kind of want to put with that is, Who can I find to help me with this? Because you might have an idea, but you're like, I can't do this by myself. When we were down at Kuma for all that time, we tried to recruit people left and right because we knew we were going to burn out. And we eventually did. All right. But we needed people with us. Um, Am I doing work for my family and relatives? I'm just going to say this as bluntly as possible. And especially I come from this from a teacher perspective. I can almost pinpoint the problems the kids are having once I meet their parents or find out their parental situation. Almost every kid that extremely struggles in the public school system is a product of not having parents around. Raising your children, Midwestern, he's shaking his head back there, social work at Midwestern, yes. Raising our children especially for God, is it's pretty high up that list of the most important things we can do for the people around us and for God, right? Being an elder, being a deacon, it's a pretty big responsibility that gets no pay for it, right? Pretty important work, right? Also, how will I stay busy at my age? Because that's going to be different for all of us. Your energy level, what you can physically handle, all of that's going to be different. And am I financially taking care of myself and others? That's a responsibility God has put upon us, to take care of ourselves as much as we possibly can and take care of others. Now, this was a very nuts and bolts Uh, sermon today. I was so glad Clint got up here and gave kind of a spiritual message today. Thank you for that, because I knew what my sermon was going to look like. So I was like, man, at least at some point today, there was some spiritually charged information there today. Um, And I want to go back to what uh, Clint said and and piggyback that. Um, Clint, I love the fact that you talked about God and how much he loves us. And sometimes we, forget, we, we think about the action of what Jesus went through, and, and we don't always talk about the intent. And I, I really appreciate you talking about that this morning. Yes, and this part right here of Jesus loving us and why he did all of this for us is a perfect way to end the conversation today. Because he does love you. He loves you. He didn't love you. Like, it's not he loved you or he will love you. No, no, no. He loves you and he's waiting for you. He has been waiting for you if you have not made the decision to be a part of his family. He is waiting for you because he loves you. And man, he put that in action. 
I, I sometimes think, just watch the passion of the Christ and think to yourself, would I have done that? Would I have gone through that? Would I have done that for other people? When I could have stopped it, especially when I had the power to stop it, could I have done that? really want you to think about that, and I'm glad Clint had that conversation today. He loves you. He loves you. And all he wants you to do is be as close to him as possible at all times. And that shouldn't surprise us very much because isn't that the way we act towards our children too? We just love them. They act like fools sometimes. I acted like an idiot too. You guys even saw it happen. All right, because I was a 16-year-old when I first started coming here. All right? My parents still loved me through that whole thing. God loves you, and he wants you to be a part of all of this. And he will, oh, great day for God is when you become a part of him and want to be close to him. So if you have any prayers that you need um, for you or if you would like to give yourself over to Christ today and become part of that family, um, you can grab one of us. I'd grab two of the elders because there's a reason why they're elders and I'm not. (laughs) Grab one of them. They'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you. I, I mean, I would love to do it also. But if you need anything from any of us, um, you can either grab us later or you can come forward while we stand and sing.